Hello everyone, my name is Phil Calvert and a very warm welcome to the Financial Advisor Mastermind and Challenge. Throughout this week, advisors, leading experts and consultants to the financial planning profession are sharing amazing insights into just what makes a world-class financial advice business. Today I'm delighted to be speaking with someone who firmly believes that more women need to take back financial control and be financially resilient. In addition to her focus on financial advice for women, she's a podcaster, speaker, and founder of The Money Panel. A very warm welcome to Catherine Morgan. How are you, Catherine? Hi. Yeah, I'm really great, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a great pleasure. I really wanted to talk to you. We've, uh, we've got a lot of people on this uh, video series, uh, but a relatively small number of financial advisors. And I really wanted to talk to you because uh, you seem to be breaking the mould a bit um, in all sorts of different ways, which I'd love to, which I'd love to explore. Uh, but first of all, just can you just give us a bit of a, your backstory as to how you came to be doing what you are today? Yeah, sure. Um, so my backstory. Um, so I started in financial services when I was eighteen. Um, I, I guess as many people did, I fell into the industry. Um, I was at college. I needed a job. So I started working as a cashier in a bank because that's what my sister did and she worked in a bank. So um, that's how I started my profession. And then that basically carried on for 16 years. <laughs> um, and I pretty much did everything in the bank. I was a cashier. I um, was very, very career driven and progressed myself, um, doing my financial qualifications in my own time. I became a mortgage advisor, uh, then became a financial advisor. Uh, then got bored just before the recession hit in the UK and decided to go and work offshore. So me and my husband, who also works in financial services, um, packed our bags up and went off to the Channel Islands. And we worked in Jersey there for five or six years, got married over there, had our first child over there. And it was kind of at that moment, actually, that was one of the most poignant moments in my career and personal life where things started to kind of take me away from being in the traditional banking kind of sector and some of the frustrations that I was feeling during that time. Um, and so after five years of working offshore, I worked as a sales manager offshore. I looked after a team of IFAs. Um, we moved back to the UK and I carried on in my role as a financial advisor because I couldn't be a part-time sales manager. And then after a couple of years of being back in the UK when RDR hit, uh, all the banks obviously came out of financial advice apart from HSBC that I was with and and they couldn't quite get the model right which put a lot of pressure on you know how many appointments are in your diary every single day and it was very activity based and I just got to the stage where I'd completely had enough of it being too product focused and then just started to kind of explore what else was available for me to use my expertise and skills in a completely different way. Yeah. I'm, I'm really interested in your focus on financial planning for women. Um, certainly in our forums um, on Facebook and in LinkedIn and elsewhere, there's a, there's a body of advisors who, who that, they don't quite get that. They don't really understand why there's a need to have um, a business that just focuses on financial advice for women. Can you just talk us through what your thinking was there? Yeah, it's a really interesting conversation. I mean, it took me quite a while from a mindset perspective to understand why it was so important to niche down and you know you hear it all the time don't you the americans talk about the, a niche and the the british talk about a niche and i really struggled with that i, I just kept thinking well if i niche down i'm not going to get enough clients and i'm not you know people aren't going to follow me but actually if i reflect back on 
the previous years leading up to launching the money panel, I, I was working exclusively with women in a completely different capacity. So um, I launched my first business in the Channel Islands um, when I, just before I went on maternity leave as a personal stylist. Um, and I was working exclusively with women about how they could improve their confidence with their bodies. And when I reflected back on the things that I enjoyed, I really enjoy working with women because I'm an empath. So I'm very connected to um, feelings and emotions and my feelings and emotions drive a lot of my decisions in my life. That's just the way that I'm, that I am. Mm. And actually when I was speaking to people in the banks and I was hearing all of their stories, often it would be to see me the area that I lived in um, was quite a retired yeah, the, so I was being exposed to a lot of women coming in to see me who had lost their husbands who had never dealt with money before and I would spend a lot of time with them uh, helping them to understand money and deal with the emotional side of going through you know traumatic experience like losing their partner and and when I, when I was building the money panel business, I was thinking, I'm just going to start writing about my own experiences and what I feel passionate about. And it just kind of organically grew mm -hmm. that women wanted to join in that conversation. Men, I mean, men also want to join in that conversation. I do have men in my group, um, but my, my marketing is very clear that the kind of clients that I want to attract into my business are women because that's the area that I... I think I can bring most value to. I'm interested that you use the words um, financially resilient um, and you've kind of alluded to that. Can you just expand a little bit more on, on what you mean by that? Yeah, so financial resilience for me um, is all about how women in particular can have greater independence and control and confidence with money. So the word resilience for me is about confidence and control. And those are the words that have been used in my community over and over again. So all, what I've done is, is I've tried to be, um, to, talk, to talk to my audience in, some, in, a, in, a, in a language that they can understand. And for me, particularly for women, we tend to go through these kind of life stages of, you know, we go through university, um, we then maybe go into a relationship, we then may get married, we then may have children. And at that moment, that can be very pivotal, pivotal for a woman because they may then not work for a number of years. And then they miss out on all these opportunities of, of building up their pension provisions and high childcare costs and, you know, all these kind of factors, which are still relevant for men too, because it can have a, an impact on the relationship, you know, the money in a relationship. And then we, then they may unfortunately go through a divorce, you know, divorce in this country is, is you know there's a high percentage of divorce rates and that can affect both men and women but for women obviously then then have to go through the whole process of pension sharing orders and often the number of women that I speak to that can't deal with that so they bury their head in the sand and they don't bother you know looking at the husband's pension or vice versa actually mm. so financial resilience for me is all about how can I support women going through those different life stages um so that they can be stand on their own two feet and just have some control and, and confidence when dealing with money um because there is still so much financial jargon in the industry and it's you know it's no wonder that people just bury their heads because yeah. it's very complicated and very confusing so that sounds to me like uh, as well as financial planning you're also talking about some sort of financial coaching as well would that be right 
Yeah, for me, um, and this is kind of something that I'm continuing to work with um, in terms of how I build my business. But I would say at the moment, I kind of wear three or four different hats with my clients. So sometimes um, I will act in purely in a capacity as a financial planner. So for me, financial planning is about you know the create the creation of the physical financial plan. It's very visual. It's very practical. It's very accountable. Um, but then also there are some clients that come to me that have a really unhealthy relationship with money and maybe they've listened to some of my videos and they've heard some of my own stories about how I've dealt with money over the years. And I may do an entire coaching session with them around money mindset and their relationship with money and how they can change some of their belief systems and habits. And that for me is almost like financial therapy to a certain degree. Mm. Because, you know, it, I mean, I did a session this week with a couple. Um, it got quite emotional and we actually explored that a lot of his beliefs with money and how he deals with money is very status driven because he had a very narcissistic relationship with his mother and his mother controlled everything in his life so any decision that he had to make he had to go and ask his mum and his mum would pull it to, pull it to pieces and say oh you don't deserve to do this and you, you're not capable of doing this and so that made him feel like he had to create this almost like keeping up with the joneses approach with money so that almost is like financial therapy to me because it was about just giving him a safe environment where he could talk about that and then he'll go off and journal for a week and then we'll come back and talk about well what has that what's that triggered for him what's that uncovered so it's almost creating that area of support um so you've got kind of financial therapy financial planning financial coaching for me is for clients who either aren't necessarily ready to do full financial planning or they want to almost do like a bit of a sense check on mm. perhaps something that they they do understand, but they're just not quite sure they've got some pieces missing in the puzzle somewhere and they yeah. just want reassurance. Well, you know, is this is this right or am I missing something? So it's more of a kind of financial education session that we might do together. Yeah, that's interesting. And tell me about the name. That's an interesting the money panel. What uh, what's what was your thinking behind that? You know, I really struggled with my name. Um, I, I came up with that name when I was I was visiting my brother in Australia last January, and I've been procrastinating for months and months and months about launching this uh, website so I could start blogging, mm. and and I was procrastinating for so long. In the end, I was like, I'm just going to go with it. And and the concept behind the money panel was in my mind. It was this vision of this panel of experts. Um, so that you know if I wanted the opportunity in the future to develop that business to perhaps coaching other financial advisors to incorporate coaching into their business or um, you know have it running an event for example and I had a panel of experts that that's kind of how the concept originally arose um, but I, I did really struggle with the business name for quite a long time <laughs> that's really interesting but it fits really well with the whole look and feel of your brand which I'm, I'm really interested in um your the way you present your proposition online is very different from how most financial advisors do it you have a very clear sense of your value ladder um complete with lead magnets free videos uh, and so on and so forth you've got your podcast which which we'll talk about um in, in a minute what was your thinking behind that because you've got a very different approach from most other financial advisors yeah i guess um i spent a lot of 
time and investment last year uh, with mentors and learning about how to build my business through social media. Mm. Um, and so when I, I guess organically, the, the website has just grown um, on that basis. I think to be honest with you, you know, there's lots of, um, there's lots of sales techniques, sales funnels, you know, free downloads, lots of things that you can provide. But I, I guess in my mind, it's why, why are you doing that? Yeah. And ultimately you're, you're wanting to give value to your audience. And the reason you want to give value to your audience is because you want to build trust and you want to build uh, authenticity and reputation. And actually I would say it's, it's taken me a good six to 12 months to now having given lots of content away, I now am seeing the reverse effect of that of people just contacting me who probably, you know, perhaps have been following me for six months or so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think for me, that's where sometimes we, we fall short in how we think about the financial advisor business, because typically the way that we've always sourced clients is from your common streams. It's client referrals, it's unbiased vouched for, um, but there's no opportunity in that certainly from an unbiased voucher perspective for clients to really engage with you and follow you and, and, and see what your expertise is. And, yeah. you know, and so for me that the website has kind of been generated often, you know, kind of organically around how can I add as much value as possible to my audience so that they can build trust with me so that then when, when they do connect with me, we, we know it's a good fit because yeah. they can see what I do, they can see how I work, they can see kind of what, you know, what kind of my approach is. Well, we'll come on to how you get your business in just, just a minute. But one of the examples um, is that, that you do and the overwhelming majority of financial advisors don't do is that you repackage your expertise and you sell it to people in a different format because there will be consumers out there who know they need financial advice, help, financial planning, but they don't actually want to go and visit the financial advisor. They know the financial advisor is who they need to be talking to. But they don't actually want to go and see you. So you've got at least three courses, as far as I can see on your website. You've got your eight week money confidence academy. You've got from spender to saver, and you've got one called in her financial shoes, investing for beginners from as little as one pound. Just, just talk me through, why you decided to to take that approach as well yeah so um a couple of reasons i think one thing that you've just said there about you know people know that they need to go to financial advisors but they're fearful of doing that i i think it's a, it's a real shame in all honesty because people don't really understand consumers don't necessarily understand the value that financial advice can provide mm. and i think the main reason for that is because largely um, they don't know where to go to find a good financial advisor, you know, and typically they'll go and ask a friend and that friend may say, well, I've seen so-and-so he's brilliant, you know, so it's on, on recommendation, which is great. But then if you were to search on Google, a typical financial advisor website, you know, it, in a lot of circumstances, they are very product focused. And I think that's where we get it wrong because if I was a consumer looking for support, that support isn't products. I'm not looking at that website to see I want a pension, I want an investment. I'm looking for that reassurance that you can help me meet a, a pain point in my life. And that pain point often is, isn't 
product mm. it's it's a service it's a discussion it's a conversation it's help, helping me with a problem so when i was thinking about building when i was building my business last year what was missing for me was you know there is this this advice gap of people who won't go to a financial advisor because for whatever reason they're not comfortable to do that and they don't really want to scan the internet for blogs and articles and try and piece it together for themselves so i guess i wanted to create somewhere where i could give value to people who couldn't necessarily afford to go to a financial advisor um, maybe didn't need to go to a financial advisor but just needed some support with how they could be empowered to then go and make their own decisions um, so the spender to save well the the eight week money confidence academy i tested last year i did it as a beta tester um, had 15 ladies in the group and it was amazing um, i built my own kind of six-step process um, we went through this so every week we had a, a zoom call like this yeah. and they went away and did some exercises and came back and we talked about them and i learned a lot about that particular group um, largely that i was giving too much information and that they couldn't cope with the amount of information that they had to then do right which also then made me think about um, actually i've got to strip this right back to basics and again i think that when you've been in financial services for a long time we forget don't we how little people understand about the jargon um, i mean somebody in my facebook group today said sent me an inquiry and said um i really want to uh, i've got a pension uh, i've only been in it for 12 months um, but I don't think it's worth it. I want to be investing in stocks and shares instead. And I'm thinking, you are investing in stocks and shares. People don't understand that. They don't understand the basic principles of pensions are investing. Um, and so I wanted to create, you know, some, some just easy online courses, some videos that people can watch to educate them about things like what is the stock market. So the investing course that you refer to there is a whole series of videos which I have put together around the concept of a female wardrobe so it's it's very much targeted to women and it talks about the concepts of the stock market so it talks about you know what a cat what's what are bonds what are shares what are funds uh, how do you uh, how would you even begin to invest mm. um what's the difference between an ISA and a pension and and it's written around the, the concept of a female wardrobe so that they can relate to the fact that you know if they have a pair two pairs of shoes one of them might be thrown in the bottom of their wardrobe gathering dust. One of them might be in a nice little storage box. Yeah. It's about the differences between, you know, having money in an ISA in one kind of storage solution and a pension in a different storage solution. So it's just using visual techniques and things to get people really engaged. And again, building trust with people so that they see me as the expert. Yeah, yeah. And um, they take a bit of time to put together, but if nothing else, you've got a, another income stream. Um, most people look at financial planning as you know it's something that's done between consenting adults uh, either in their home your office or online uh, like this and there's so many other ways that financial advisors can sell their expertise whether it's writing a book whether it's doing videos whether it's doing courses so you know you're you're at the front of the uh, of the, the forefront of this which is fantastic do you have plans for more more online stuff yeah so um yeah I, I i've got two or three other courses that i want to develop this year um i i'm also a, a building at the moment a a membership model because at the moment my focus is is on one-to-one -one clients still it's still the area i love i yeah. love 
more one-to-ones than I do groups. But obviously, that's there's only a, a finite amount of my time that I can provide. So the group program will relaunch again this year. Um, but the, I love the one-to-one. But what I want to do is to be able to offer a support service for those clients once they've worked with me for three months. So in program. I want to offer them a, a monthly membership, very, very low cost, but somewhere where we can um, continue to provide that support and, and, and kind of accountability. Because for a lot of people that I coach, um, male or female, often um, if they're, the, the gentleman I coached this week came up very high on planning. So his natural habitude with, with money is planning, but he plans it, but then never sees it through. Okay. Um, so for him, he needs somebody to kind of hold him accountable to, yeah. well, I've said, I'm going to go and do this. I'm actually going to go and do it. Mm. So there will be, so I will be launching out a, a membership program later this year. Um, and then I also want to launch out some retreats, um, and workshop face-to-face workshops. Um, again, to the, the wonderful thing about the power of bringing females together in a room is the connection is fantastic the power of being able to, to allow women to talk to other women about their emotions with money, their experiences with money is very, very powerful. And I think from an audience perspective, they'll get a lot of value in just hearing other people say things like, yeah, I really struggle with that. And I really struggle with that. So they don't quite feel so alone and overwhelmed with some of those feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love the idea of membership sites um, and also retreats as well. Um, seminars i've always been one for for financial advisors putting on seminars but retreats takes it to a to a whole nother level uh, it's something that's very popular in the united states there's a lot of financial planners who who've, who've got to a point where they have stopped doing financial planning but all they do is run weekend long retreats uh, and they charge a lot of money for these these as well and they're always amazed that people want to go on, but it's just, it's another way of delivering your, your expertise. Now, uh, another way that you deliver your expertise and thoughts and insights is through your podcast, uh, which I think is, is what a new initiative this year, uh, seems to be going great guns, five star ratings all the way. Uh, tell us how you uh, got started with that. Yeah. So that developed. Um, so last year I, uh, met up with some, uh, solicitors, uh, we have uh, we had a monthly lunch together to kind of to grow that relationship. Yeah. And one of them said to me, "You'd be great on radio." Um, and I was like, "Really?" And she said, "Yeah." She said, oh, "I can give you the contact name of the director for the local radio show. Why don't you email him?" So I did that night. I thought, right, okay, I'm going to email him. I put together a proposition, and he emailed me back later that evening and said, "Yep, that sounds amazing. When can we meet?" So I met up with him, pitched my idea to him, and he said, "Yep, that sounds great." Um, so I then uh, approached a money blogger that I was very good friends with in my local area and said, would you like to join me as a co-host and let's bust all this jargon about money. Mm. She was a, she was a training GP. So she was coming at it from a kind of well-being perspective. And, um, so we launched this radio show. It was every week on a local radio show. And we just started talking about money. We started interviewing people. Um, we started just talking about money. And then the show was nominated for um, a, as a finalist in the UK Showmo Awards, which is part of the UK blogging community. Um, and I kind of thought, right, I need to get a bit more serious about this now. <laughs> um, so I spoke with some, some of you know, the existing um, 
people like Pete Matthews, you yeah. know, who are smashing it, smashing podcasting and Andy Hart. And they gave me some really useful support and information about launching a podcast. And so we then rebranded. So it was the Money Mindset Show. We rebranded um, as In Her Financial Shoes podcast. Uh, the GP now actually is, is going through all of her examinations. So, you know, we decided it wasn't going to be a joint venture. Yeah. But, um, so I launched into so January of this year. And the purpose of the podcast for me, it, again, is about building value, content, trust, um, you know, reputation, and just providing people with free content. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm quite clever with the way that I do it um, because my time is so limited. You know, there's, it, these things take a lot of time. So I try and be quite clever with repurposing content. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if I do a Facebook Live, I might repurpose that as a podcast. I might repurpose that out as a blog. Um, so it just kind of makes it a bit more manageable from a time perspective. But, but really the concept behind it was to launch a podcast that is um, giving another platform, another way of people to connect with me. You know, they can plug in while they're walking the dog or yeah. washing up in the kitchen, whatever they're doing. Um, and I think podcasting particularly will be the place to be this year. Um, you know, I don't think it's too late for people to, to jump onto the podcast. Uh, the, uh, the financial advice market for <laughs> podcasts is hardly swamped, is it? No, I mean, and there's, there's been some, I mean, I know there's another one that's just launched this week called The Advisor Gap, which is mm. another amazing opportunity to, you know, to, to build reputation and value. Um, so I, I think podcasting, you know, it's not majorly expensive to, to do. You know, you can learn how to podcast. You, you can outsource, you know, some of the techie work if necessary. Um, but yeah, it's just, just another way of engaging with clients, really. Yeah. So the proof of the pudding then, um, I remember standing up in front of a group of financial advisors in about 2007, I think it was. And I said to them, um, you want to watch out for this thing called Twitter, uh, <laughs> because it will become part of your world, um, quite quickly. And they all crossed their arms and said, no, it won't. There's no place for, for Twitter. And indeed there's no place for uh, social media in the world of financial planning. For the benefit of our, our viewers, tell us what percentage of your business comes from social media. Uh, so this year, actually, well, um, one of the things I've not been very good at in the last year with building a business is knowing where my leads are coming from. So this year I decided I wanted to get uh, more focused around that. So this year, the, uh, last week, actually, I, I looked at where all my business is coming from this year, and I think it was 91.6% of my leads this year have come from social media, predominantly Facebook. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic, isn't it? Now, so what are you doing on social media that is uh, attracting people to want to, want to talk to you? Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, so pr predominantly, um, most of the work that I do is within my Facebook group. So I have a, um, a closed Facebook group. People can uh, request to join. Um, and so I, I post two, two times a day normally in the group. Um, I have a Facebook business page yeah. as well. And then I have my personal profile. So my personal profile, um, I try and keep, you know, I don't do too much um, promotion on my personal page 
mainly because Facebook don't like that. Yeah. Um, and also I've learned, I, I mean, I invested a lot of money last year in learning how to work Facebook uh, social media with all their algorithms and things like that. So my business page is like my menu. So people can go to my business page and see what I'm about. You know, they can watch some speaker videos, you know, they can watch Facebook live videos, but then they funnel then into my group. And then from my group, um, again, I do video content in there. I provide them with three downloads. We just have conversations about money, really. Um, and then often if somebody is in, engaging with me in a conversation, um, then I will send them a link to a discovery questionnaire that's on my website. They'll fill in that short questionnaire. That will go into my CRM system. That will generate an automatic email that goes out to them with my diary link. They book themselves in for a half hour discovery call, which is complimentary. Yeah. And then, so it's almost like going down that kind of sales funnel, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have a conversation. If it feels like there's a right fit and I can help to support them, then they then become a client. Yeah, and then they then become a client. It's almost like it's, it's just going to happen, isn't it? To me, uh, whilst I love LinkedIn, um, for me, one of the best things on the internet right now is Facebook groups. Uh, the ability to build community around your brand and around your expertise and to create ongoing, it's not like we send out a newsletter or we send out an email newsletter. It's an ongoing conversation. And that seems to me to be the, the magic that gets people wanting to talk to you. I think, to be honest, um, I mean, if you listen to some of the experts around this, they reckon that LinkedIn will be the place to be this year because in LinkedIn, time, in time, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm, obviously, you're a LinkedIn expert, so I, I, I don't need to tell you that. But, um, <laughs> but I think that video definitely is a really engaging way um, with, with because people don't have time to read newsletters, and you know, I mean, how many newsletters do you get in your email box that you just delete because you haven't got time to read them? So, whereas if they can hear short you know, short videos, um, then that can be, that can be really useful for people. Um, but no, Facebook, Facebook has been, as I say, for me, most of my business has come from Facebook. So it will continue to be a source of where I put most of my content. Um, but it depends on where your audience are hanging out. It depends yeah. on what kind of audience you have. I mean, if your audience is, is largely professionals, then LinkedIn is perhaps a better social media platform than Facebook. Um, and you so use Twitter as well. Yeah. I do use Twitter. I mainly use Twitter for um, banter with other financial planners. Um, I get a lot of my PR work through Twitter. So I use the, the journalist request hashtag a lot um, to get featured in articles in newspapers and things like that. So that I don't, I don't actually get, I don't think, in fact, I don't even think I've had any, any referrals from Twitter for clients. It's largely been PR work, speaker yeah. events, and things like that. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So was they just looking forward a, a, a few years? Where, where's the, the future life for Catherine Morgan? Yeah, gosh, I ask myself that every morning. <laughs> There's a couple of things that I'm working on at the moment. Um, but I think because of the work that I'm that I'm doing, there's a lot of financial advisors that do want to incorporate this kind of work into their into their businesses. Um, I was really fortunate. I was introduced to Simone Ganesson, who runs the Wise Monkey Coaching last year, and I did her course, which was really, really good. Um, and that really gave me some good, a uh, good foundations to then start building my coaching business. But what was missing after the course for me was then how do I build that as a business? How do I build social media presence? You know, how do I do all of that? So this year, I'm actually going to be working with a couple of financial advisors to test um, a, some kind of program 
to help to support other financial advisors to start yeah. incorporating coaching into their businesses. So I'm having some inquiries coming through about that at the moment. That could lead then on to all sorts of uh, exciting opportunities into next year. But uh, the way that I feel about that is if I can influence more financial advisors to incorporate this kind of model into their existing practice, which they can do very easily. To me, that ticks a box from a personal passion perspective mm. that I can then not just educate the people that I'm working with, but then they can educate more people about financial, you know, finances. So, you know, we can completely transform this entire profession to being one of, of trust and uh, reputation more so than what it is now. Yeah. Demonstrating that we want to be, you know, throwing it back at the financial industry that we don't want any of this jargon because actually we're really good at what we do. Um, but we want people to recognize that. And I believe that the value in financial planning will, will be based on the relationship you have with clients, doing things differently so that you stand out from the crowd and building a business that does incorporate the intergenerational wealth, you know, your clients' children, running, you know, educational workshops for them and things like that. So, uh, so that's, that's the area I really want to kind of focus on more for the rest of this year. Oh, that's really exciting. You've already been a finalist in the Women in Financial Advice Awards as well. So it's all going uh, great guns. <laughs> Thank you. So we're asking everybody uh, that uh, we're talking to on this if they could set a, a challenge for financial advisors who are watching. Um, we've done 30, 33 videos and we've got a lot of really interesting challenges. What could you uh, add to that mix? So my challenge would be for the next, let's say seven days, to go onto social media, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook, um, yeah, probably one of those two I would suggest, not Twitter, and just record a, a Facebook Live video. Um, you can do this from your phone. You literally, you know, you, you don't need any flashy equipment or anything, but just go onto a Facebook Live and just start talking to your audience. And, and if you haven't got a business page, then just talk to your friends on Facebook and tell them why do you do what you do and why why should they be working with you? Um, but I'm not talking about like come and see us because we can set up investments for you and we can manage yes. your money. I'm talking about why do you do what you do? What what's the value and purpose of working with you? What what pain points are you going to help people with? How do you help clients? Maybe talk through a, an example of how you've helped a client in your practice this week. And just talk about it because I think sometimes we have this big fear of, oh, but I've got to run it past compliance. Um, and compliance has its place, definitely. I'm not knocking compliance, but what I'm, what I'm, well, I guess what I'm suggesting is that you can evidence the value that you're giving to your clients by just being yourself and showing up. Yeah. Um, and so that would be my challenge. So anyone listening to this is to jump on social media, do a Facebook Live for like. 10 minutes <laughs> yeah. and see what kind of engagement see what comments you get yeah it doesn't have to be a beautifully produced uh, steven spielberg type uh, documentary it just needs to be you showing up yep absolutely just just put put your phone on the side have it somewhere where it's still so you're not holding it and waving it around and yeah just talk about what you do 
fantastic. Catherine, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Really appreciate it. Uh, I'm mindful of your time. So uh, for everybody watching this, please do take up uh, Catherine's challenge. You'll be able to have the opportunity to join a private group where you can look at Catherine's challenge and everybody else's as well, and you can report back on how you're getting along. So in the meantime, thanks very much for watching, and thanks again to you, Catherine. Thanks very much for having me, Philip. Thanks.